Podcast. Let's talk about the weather. Welcome to today's episode of Podcast. Um, this is our eighth episode, and today we are talking about IKO GRF. Okay, you don't know what that means, and that is not a problem. IKO GRF, a lot of letters and abbreviations. We will discuss that in the next 20 or 25 minutes. It's basically about making the runways on airports safer to reduce the uh, number of accidents on pl uh, with planes by landing and takeoff. Um, to discuss that in more detail, I invited three guests from various continents. It's uh, Laura Goodfellow and Jeff Cole from the US, our road weather and aviation weather experts. Welcome, Laura. Welcome, Jeff. Good afternoon. Laura, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> and from Germany, I have Peter Rau. Peter Rau is a software developer, and he is part of uh, the solution we want to present today. And he worked, um, yeah, he dug into that topic quite in detail. That's why I'm very happy to invite you and have you on the show, Peter. Welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So ICOR GRF, a couple of letters and abbreviations. Um, I mean, I could just read that from the internet, but I want to uh, set the stage now for one of our experts, Jeff Cole, you're the aviation weather or airport weather expert of our company. Um, what is that about ICAO GRF? What does that mean? Yeah, so ICAO is the International Civil Aviation Organization, and that's a global organization, whereas in the US it's the FAA, Federal Aviation authority. Um, but they're trying to harmonize the reporting of the runway conditions uh, throughout the world. Um, because as it stands, there's, there's a US reporting format, but there isn't an international format. And so they're trying to, re to, to harmonize that. And what they're trying to do is figure out a way to report the runway conditions um, in a way that is common to all of the world. And when I say runway conditions, that means not just if it's slippery or not in the winter, um, it can be uh, wet in the summer or um, it can have uh, frost or snow or ice or whatever. So they're trying to figure out a way to make sure that they can report those conditions of the runway. Um, there's approximately 30 what they call runway excursions per year that occur. So when a runway either is taking off or landing and they slide off the runway, um, that's what's considered a runway excursion. And oftentimes these can be um, very, very significant issues. Um, they can be very damaging to the aircraft and to people. Um, and so it's it's a very important thing to to figure out. Um, so this means that the plane basically needs more space, a longer runway to break or to uh, take off. Yes, depending on the surface conditions. So, um, and in the past, uh, they've used a vehicle that measures the friction of the runway. So it has a 
device that they hook to a car and they drive it down the runway, up and down the runway, and they measure the friction of the runway. And the problem is that this device is not completely accurate and it's not the best way to actually measure that runway condition. So, so that's why they're trying to figure out a, a better way, which combines several different factors and includes a human interpretation of the condition. So um, Peter will talk more about that. But, but anyway, so they are instigating a new, what they're calling the global reporting format. GRF. That's the GRF, right? Yes. And this will harmonize this assessment of the reporting of the runway conditions. And so, this, but in other words, this means that from at the moment, every country does it a bit different, right? Yes, at the moment they do. So, um, this new GRF will is mandated to take place um, November 4th of 2021. And so, at that point, then all airports in the world will be required to use this global reporting format. So what does, I mean, it's clear what the advantage is for me as a passenger, um, but what does that mean for the airport? So can they just change their setup or do they have to um, acquire different systems to, to be able to deliver that GRF? So at the, Presently, I, I think maybe Peter can answer this a little bit better than I can because he he's the expert on the complete system. But um, the requirements uh, are that there is a required form that will have to be filled out, um, which is used by the airports, the pilots, um, and ultimately the decision is made by the pilot of the airplane whether or not to land or take off or um, depending on the runway conditions so ultimately it's it's the pilot's decision but he needs to have as much information as possible and so that's the idea of this global reporting format is to be able to provide the pilot with the best and most current information possible on the runway condition. So Peter, you have been introduced now uh, a couple of times. So now it's your occasion to explain what that GRF looks like. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Um, it looks like, well, uh, there, there are, of course, as always, various parts to, to this new standard. Um, the global reporting format basically comes from uh, using a, a breaking a breaking action or the, uh, what the pilots use to report as breaking action on the runway to to see how well they can break with uh, with their um, with their airplanes on the runway. They use a system with a number uh, between between zero, which means nil, no breaking action, to um, five good breaking action or six perfect so zero and would be on ice for example zero would be would be no breaking action at all on very slippery ice not only ice but uh, rather um, um, more slippery than ice is actually water on top of ice that's um, 
that's the worst thing you can have. Um, uh, that that is one of the basics of the new reporting format is to inform the pilots um, about the braking action on the runway um, before they land or before they take off. But basic, more important is landing, of course. Um, and in the past, this was done using that friction um, measurement output, um, which doesn't always tell um, the pilot all, all he needs to know. And the new approach now with the GRF format is to, to use basically um, the observation of the airport personnel at the airport. Uh, they need to, to assess the runway condition in um, three parts of the runway, in thirds of the runway. Um, the the official documents um, highlight that uh, how important it is that this is this assessment is done by the personnel with their experience of the local airport with their knowledge of of the surrounding area of the weather conditions on how they influence that um, on their know how about. Um, how incoming, whether uh, how fast uh, that would change the conditions and things like that. So the the uh, that's one reason is to get away from that strict measurement number that does not really give you detailed information towards um, a runway condition code and um, information about what they call contamination. So what kind of um, um, what is on the runway? Is it only water? Is it ice? Is it rolled uh, snow over ice? Uh, I think is the term. So there's a set of um, a set of um, descriptive texts that are used, which is a preset text um, um, to describe the contamination or the the runway uh, description and the runway condition code and the depth of the contamination. Those are the three major items that are reported. Pilots are informed usually by something called a, a NOTAM, Notice to Airmen. We have lots of abbreviations in, in, uh, in the um, airport industry. I had to learn quite a few of those. Yeah, you don't have the time to explain things, yeah, so you're using abbreviations. Yes. Um, so there's the NOTAM, which is Notice to Airmen, that's used until now um, to notify the incoming um, planes or the pilots. And that's the standardized uh, report, right, for the pilots that approach an airport. That's a standardized report, kind of standardized report. Um, it's very cryptic, actually. Um, it's not, um, for outsiders, not very meaningful. And um, um, that stays that way. Um, the, the NOTAM is actually replaced by um, what they call a SNOTAM. Um, the, the, I, I don't really know why they decided to go with a different SNOTAM format rather than a different NOTAM format, even though SNOTAM now needs to be reported um, all year around, not only in winter. SNOTAM used to be the specific uh, format for the report in winter. Um, but now it's um, it's used everywhere around the world. I saw documents um, even from Fiji Islands that they uh, require to use SNOTAM format um, uh, beginning this year. Do they um, even know what snow is on the Fiji I don't islands? think they know what snow is, but 
they sure sure know what um, water on the runway is and what it means to have heavy rainfalls and um, a, a water layer. So the, the, the contamination depth or water layer depth is one important part of, of that report information. And it influences also the runway condition code um, indicating, for example, runway condition code of six indicates you have a dry runway and perfect conditions. And as soon as you have any water layer on the runway, um, it will be only five, which still means good conditions, but it's degraded by by one um, just by having some water on the runway. And if that water film is is uh, higher than three millimeters, then then we uh, three millimeters seems to be a, a critical um, um, depth for um, starting of aqua planning. So. Um, it's even degraded more um, if the contamination is deeper than three millimeters. So these are the factors that go into the report. What and happens the there? Just a very basic question about if that is three or, or less in the in the reporting format, how does the airport react or the pilot? As Jeff mentioned, the decision is always up to the pilot. He's responsible for the safety of his plane and for the passengers of the plane. And uh, the, the pilot needs to decide whether he can land with the plane. That also depends on the weight of the plane and how much, um, you know, how much passion, passengers and freight is on the plane and how much uh, fuel is still in, in the wings and things like that. Um, there is one point where the airport has, has to make a hard decision, which is um, runway condition code zero, um, meaning airport cannot operate anymore. They have to close the runway. Um, but um, everything above that, it's pretty much up to the pilot to decide whether it's still safe to land, um, whether the runway is long enough for his plane and and the weight of the plane to break before the runway ends. That's the, the crucial part. Uh, the plane must come to a stop uh, before the end of the runway. And, uh, and the pilot decides that based on that Format on that code, which is now um, standardized. Yes, the pilot mm -hmm. decides that based on that runway condition code and the other information about the contamination depth and the contamination type. That's also part of that report. Um, there might be additional information on the report, but that's the, the basic part. Additional information might be uh, things like we have drifting snow or we have hard winds coming uh, and, and all those um other weather conditions that also influence a, um, a plane uh, landing. Um, but the, the basic information of the uh, GRF uh, part of the report is the runway condition code, the contamination depth, and the contamination type surface uh, uh, condition description. Okay, um, I think that got clear now. Uh, we have a sort of report that is uh, standardized with a lot of numbers and Uh, well-educated people as the pilot know what these numbers mean. Um, Laura, I invited you today not without a reason. Uh, I wanted you to explain how we got to these numbers and where we get the information from. Okay, I'll start with where we get the information from. So on the, in order to get some data in and we work with the 
hard, piece of hardware called the MAROIS, which stands for Mobile Advanced Road Weather Information System. And this is a unit that can mount to a vehicle and takes measurements um, 100 hertz as it drives down the runway and takes this data in and transfers it back to the server that's hosting the ViewMondo software. So with this device, you're getting information like water film height, road condition, friction, road temperature, and these values are all coming in and going into the ViewMondo software. Now, once it's into that software, you have many, many different points along the runway. And within that ViewMondo software, as you set up your runway, you set it up as per the standards in thirds, and it'll actually plot the different measurements that it takes. Um, and I'll kind of transfer it over to Peter here in terms of what magic happens in order to get that information with into the the reporting that um, is is now required for GRF. But but one question here, uh, Laura. So you said we have a lot of parameters we get with that mobile sensor. Uh, friction was one of them, which means that we had friction before, as Jeff told us. That was uh, the standard measurement or parameter to judge um, or to uh, describe the runway condition. And now we have a set of measurements. Did I get that right? Yes, there's definitely a set of measurements that that MAROIS sensor, as I mentioned, will give you the road condition, whether it's dry, damp, wet, ice or snow, slush, and even if it's chemically wet, um, it'll give you that road surface temperature, um, ambient condition, the water film height up to um, six millimeters. It'll also do a calculated dew point temperature because it does measure relative humidity and it um, gives a uh, ice percentage and friction, which are calculated values. Now, these are, the, these are the parameters that are available from the sensor and are transferred back. Whether or not all of them are used to create the specific GRF report, um, that is a different thing. Because as we heard before, um, people are moving away from this friction value. So even though the MAROIS will give you that calculated friction, what's more important in this new reporting format is the actual road condition. Okay, you also talked about a kind of software, uh, but before that, I want to understand um, how often do I get this data? I mean, normally the runway is uh, yes, taken by, by airplanes that are starting and landing all the time. So I get the data by driving that runway with a car that has a sensor that Marvis on his back. How Correct. often do I do that? It. Well, obviously, that's up to the airport and depending on what their requirements are to complete this um, information, because clearly the runway has to be shut down in order for this uh, vehicle with a sensor attached to it to drive up and down the runway. Um, so I think it just depends on what their situation is, what the storm is, um, but it's something that um, the sensor will, will take these measurements really quickly um, and even up to up to high speeds, 100 kilometers, 60 miles an hour. Um, so it's pretty quickly to get the data, but the runway obviously has to be closed in order to do that. Uh, what does the requirements say? How often do I have to measure that? Well, the requirements actually state that you have to create a new report if conditions change. That's uh, the, the, the basics. So um, the first thing the person at the airport has to has to do is to find out 
um, whether the conditions change or not. And um, as the ICAO documents state, it's um, always observation by the personal. What we do, we we provide various sensors and tools to to help those uh, decision makers. Uh, for example, we could have um, a stationary weather um, station and and uh, sensors that are um, installed in the runway to take measurements all the time, even uh, while the runway is in use. And if those sensors indicate um, a severe change in conditions, that might be an indicator or might help the decision makers to decide uh, now it's time that we that we um, create a new report and then they can use uh, the mobile sensor as a tool to help them create a report and and to back up their decision with with data it's um, very important again to state that the, the decision here is made by the personal um, by the by by humans uh, because the sensors can only measure certain things they cannot observe um, all the possible conditions we cannot for example we cannot um, measure different layers of contamination um, on on the surface we can only um, deduct from the measure value things like there that's probably snow or that's probably slush but we cannot um, see whether there is uh, water on top of ice, for example, as uh, mentioned before, that would be the worst case scenario. Uh, water on top of ice is super slippery and would result in a in a uh, very low uh, runway condition code. So, um, actually, the the ICAO uh, document states things like use your shoes, walk on the runway. Uh, and and slide your shoes over the surface to find out uh, how the braking action is. We can do better than that with with some measurement data. And uh, as Laura mentioned, um, you use a car and you drive along the runway, and we call that a measurement drive. And then the software will take that measurement data and um, um, process the the statistics from that data. Uh, one important part um, I forgot to mention before of the new runway condition uh, code is that the percentual contamination of the runway is also very important um, for the reporting. So if you only have, let's say, only have 5% of the runway is covered by by ice or water, that's not a big deal. Um, so we need, we need to find out um, the percentage for each runway third of, of the contamination, the type of the contamination. And that's uh, what we try to do as, as good as we can based on the measure values. We try to derive, there's a model calculation that uses all the parameters from, from the MAVIS um, to um, suggest what, what we think could be um, the type of contaminations, no ice, uh, uh, water, uh, slush, and so on and um, translate that into that um, RCAM matrix, the run, runway condition assessment matrix as um, required by um, ICAO. And um, we can, that's actually an, an optional parameter, we can also use the, in quotes, old way and, and use the friction uh, measurement from the MARVIS and, and transfer that to, to um, 
as an additional information for the runway condition code. But basically what the software does is after, after the measurement drive has been completed, the personnel can go in and um, analyze that measurement drive for their runway or for their runways. Many airports have multiple runways um, or even for the taxiways because that's part of the reporting as well, um, how, how the conditions are on the taxiways. And um, then the software will um, suggest an, out, an output um, um, and the user can actually overwrite that suggestions that we have from, from, the, from the measure values uh, with his observations uh, for all the parameters that are actually reported in, in the GIF format. So it stays and within his responsibility then? Yes, that's very important because, as mentioned before, we can only derive the data and make a suggestion. We can we can provide a tool to help, but the real decision has to be done by by the uh, operators on the airport, um, and uh, because they can see more. I mean, you you the the human brain and uh, your eyes, you can you can see what's happening. You see the, the, the weather coming in. You, you see um, how the runway looks like. And uh, even though with, with the Marvis device, we can, we can have many uh, measurement spots on the runway depending on, on uh, how fast the car goes. Um, the slower the car goes, the more measurement spots we have, but the longer it takes to, to take the measurement. So um, they, they, they don't really want to go too slow. Um, so we uh, we have uh, a set of measurement values across the ru the runway, but it it still never covers the the runway a hundred percent. It's always spots that we measure, and um, so the the personal operating that has a better a better picture, especially if it's the same person that was driving the car, um, then he he saw he or she saw what's actually happening on the runway and can overwrite all those um, suggested values that we that we provide and save that in the database and then automatically automatically create that uh, rather cryptic um, snowtam report and um, if if the local system is set up for that or the the, the local procedure is set up like that um, actually send out um, an email directly to the to the authorities. That's what we do um, uh, in Hamburg Airport, for example. Uh, they are using that system now um, to to produce the, the snow time report and send it to the, the local Flugaufsicht, um, uh, which actually is um, also the, the authorities that operate the tower. And they So the Hamburg Airport uses now the... Uh, our Marvis sensor and the Viewmondo software to prepare or to support the decision making. Yes, they mm -hmm. uh, they have been working with us um, beforehand to to sort out some of the details of the reporting and um, to test the software. And uh, now they are starting to use it. Um, since in Germany the the starting date was pushed forward. They decided they don't want to start in November because that's in the middle of the season. They already start mid-August um, with the new reporting formats. Okay, so it seems like when I hear that in total, it's a very reasonable yet complex change 
now for airports and uh, maybe less for pilots, but mainly for airports. Um, Jeff and Laura, uh, we're coming to the end of this episode now, but I wanted to ask what kind of questions uh, do you get Uh, regarding that new format and what are what are the struggles that airport faces well i think uh one thing in particular is i i think that a lot of airports actually aren't aware of this uh new reporting format and they're uncertain of what they need to do and and what they need to change and also they don't necessarily know you know, are there solutions uh, that like we have um, for to help them in their process. So I think part of it is just a communication issue that there's some confusion on, you know, really what's required and what's what options are out there and things like that. So um, hopefully, um, you know, this can get communicated and people can get educated quickly. Um, because uh, the time is coming quickly now and approaching this November 4th implementation. Yeah, that applies uh, for us in our episode two, the time's coming. So Laura, uh, what would you recommend to, to, um, to people that are now facing that challenge to prepare for that new format? I, I think um, Peter had a, a, a great point about the fact that hey, there are these changes coming, but the key thing that um, ICAO has really understood is that the um, people that are on site have the ability to make these changes. And one thing I really like about the Viewmondo software is it saves the data that came from the Marois, but you can also make the changes. So you know what the Marois told you and you know what you change it to and saves all that reporting so that you can go back and see all of your measurement drives and see all this data. So I think for somebody that's trying to learn about this and trying to understand, they can go back to different storm events and kind of see what's happened. And in terms of how to prepare for this, I know that on the ICAO website, they have a lot of training that's available. I know um, that, as Jeff mentioned, there is some ignorance about this change moving forward and, and hope to help alleviate that. And then from the from the left side, I would say that the um, software is very friendly to help you get familiar with this. Um, and, and as Peter said, um, As well, right now, airports are using a lot of different tools. Maybe they have some fixed stations with pavement sensors in the ground. They're using other equipment, like Jeff mentioned, in terms of the um, friction reporting um, vehicles or just um, driving in a truck and slamming on the brakes and seeing and seeing how far they skid. You can still use these tools as part of that um, observation on the ground to make changes to this so that you can move forward and, and feel good that you're really reporting what the conditions are for for safety at the airports what i learned from from talking to to the airport personnel which was really good for me to learn uh, to talk to people that, that actually are going uh, to use that tool um, is that the major challenge for the airports is to change their processes and to adopt to, to that reporting and to the requirement to report that. And um, I learned that they are quite happy with any help, with any tool that helps them quickly in time uh, produce those reports and uh, to get that standardized uh, format out. Okay, so if I'm an airport manager, what 
are the next steps for me? Yeah, so I think uh, the next steps would be to, um, in order to understand this whole new requirements and things um, and potentially a solution that would help in your decisions. Um, we can certainly offer um, some assistance. We can offer a demonstration of a system. We have some um, live systems that we can show data from um, and certainly would be more than willing to talk to you more about what we can offer you. Um, and like I said, we can offer even a, a live demonstration of the system, um, get you MR with sensor if you'd like to test and to try. So there's um, lots of things that we can be more than willing to show you and, and demonstrate. So if somebody is interested in that solution, it can just reach out to you, Jeff, is that right? Absolutely, yes. Great, so we will add the contact details in the description of that episode uh, together with um, the link to our landing page about aviation weather. I have one final question. Uh, you explained a lot of great stuff to me. Do we say IKO or ICAO? <laughs> Good question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shoot. I think it's whatever anybody wants to do. So we leave that final statement with a sort of, uh, yeah, open end. But beside that, thank you very much for joining. Laura, Jeff and Peter, it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, check out our other episodes and hear you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Let's talk about the weather. 